Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, News Editor at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing the new Consumer Duty Alliance and what it means for advisors with Keith Richards, CEO of the Consumer Duty Alliance and former CEO of the Personal Finance Society, Ian McKenna, CEO of FTRC and Chair of the Consumer Duty Alliance Technology Forum, and Russell Facer, CEO of 360 Services and early affiliate of the Alliance. So thank you all, and thank you for joining us today and being on this podcast. Yeah, thank you, Amy. Hello. Well, FT Advisor revealed earlier this month that Keith had created a new body named the Consumer Duty Alliance, and this body brings together industry experts such as Nick Can, Ian McKenna and Johnny Timpson with various forums promoting financial planning, consumer duty champions and technology that sit beneath the CDA umbrella. So Keith, I think we should start with you. Um, where did you know the idea for the idea for the CDA come from? Uh, yeah, thanks, Amy. The the idea came from members. So we started the Financial Vulnerability Task Force back in 2020. Uh, in fact, 2020, and uh, that created uh, a charter for advisors um, and a platform to share good practice. The charter itself allowed uh, adopters of the charter to display a badge, um, commitment to an independent code, uh, but mainly to augment and promote what the services they provide and, and how they provide them and deal with certain vulnerabilities. Uh, survey at the back end of last year, um, saw a big influx of uh, support for the FVT to evolve its role to include the wider consumer duty uh, requirements uh, because, of course, vulnerability is wrapped within consumer duty. And it struck us that um, for the first time ever, uh, the FCA's reform or the regulatory reform actually carries a terminology that's relevant, uh, that was relevant before regulation even uh, came into effect some three and a half decades ago, uh, in the sense that uh, we've previously seen reform called depolarization, polarization, RDR. For the first time ever, actually, consumer duty is what we do. Mm. Um, so it's quite a, a significant piece of, of regulatory reform that will need a lot of sharing of good practice, uh, support for the sector. And the way to do that is to recognise that there's a lot of well-established and very good firms uh, in the sector already that deliver great support services, often underutilised. So what we didn't want to do is create a new body dedicated to the personal finance profession that replicated or duplicated what others do. What we want to do is create a platform for an alliance to effectively unite the bodies together yeah. Uh, and to provide an effective uh, platform for professional development across the sector. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I know we've mentioned that you're kind of like, you know, the Avengers <laughs> of the financial <laughs> planning world. <laughs> um, and so why why now? You know, why is now the right time to kind of introduce this? I, I mean, the, the, this reform, the, the consumer duty uh, reform is significant. And, uh, and I don't mean that in the sense of because everyone's got to now start panicking to get ready for the 31st of July. It lives way beyond that. For us, the implementation of professional standards to consumer duty is something that gives the sector an opportunity to demonstrate the vital role that it, it provides, um, not just to existing clients, but more broadly uh, to society. 
Um, the regulators have indicated that if they can see a change as a result of reform, that they aim not to be as prescriptive in the future. Now, most advisors that would tune in will, will argue that they're over-regulated. Um, and I would agree with that because regulation is set to try to address deficiencies at the lowest common denominator. But, so by definition, good firms are often having to do things just to address um, the impact of a small minority. So I think we, we genuinely have an opportunity now to uh, take a role in providing that platform that allows the whole sector to act as individuals, but also as part of a collected alliance of professionals. Sure. Um, Russell, as an affiliate, why do you feel like the timing is right? Hi. Uh, well, as Keith mentioned there, there's a lot of change that's taking place and consumer duty being a huge part of that. And if you think from where the regulators coming from and uh, really trying to drive culture across the board in all firms, the difficulty they've got with so many firms that they regulate, how can they be prescriptive um, in relation to different segments of the marketplace? And strictly speaking, you don't want them to be prescriptive. What you'd like is the ability that uh, the industry, the profession basically uh, looks at what best practice could be and actually drives the future. Now, as part of that, you need the ability of uh, a group to bring those uh, collective parts together. Now, we're at 360, we'll do a lot that we can do for our individual client firms and support on that side. But it's also good for basically the uh, profession as a whole to move forward. So having a collective voice that, or a collective location that you can bring things together is really vital. And I think at this moment in time, uh, that voice, not just to be talking about the change in the past, but looking at the future and being able to promote uh, the positive elements of financial services in the retail intermediary space uh, with governments and other parties, it's really useful to have a party that's uh, independent or alliance, shall I say, uh, to, to go forward at this time. Sure. And Ian, as the chair of the CDA's Technology Forum, why do you think that, you know, collaboration and sharing of good practice is essential to align with consumer duty? Well, in my experience, most advisors don't see themselves as, as competing with other advice firms, um, their primary competitor is is do nothing, uh, closely followed by self-directed. Um, therefore, I think, you know, in, indeed, I see on a regular basis um, great examples of advisors being very willing to share good practice with each other and, and learn together. Um, if you look at any of the technology systems out in the marketplace, invariably you can hear wildly different views on the same system from different users. Um, and, and enabling having an environment where it's easy for people that have made things work for them to share their experiences with others who perhaps might not have been as successful um, I see as a very positive, it's not just an opportunity, there's actually a need. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, what we're doing in this is facilitating that cooperation. Um, and, I, and I'm hoping we can move also to encourage advisors to perhaps be slightly different in the way some adopt, adapt, sorry, adopt rather technology. Um, and there is an important difference between adopters and adapters. 
some advisors look at technology and try to bend the tech to fit the way that they want to work. Um, that's a proven method of not getting what you know not getting things to work properly it's far better to understand what the technology is capable of and adopt it and being able to talk to other users of technology who have successfully adopted technology is very valuable you know you you learn from we all make mistakes in embracing these things the important thing is how, how do we identify and learn from those mistakes as quickly as possible and if we can do that through a mechanism of of shared knowledge i think that's a real advantage for the whole industry yeah i definitely agree i mean you know there is so many forums out there for advisors that are constantly you know comparing platforms and different tech you know oh this went wrong for me has it gone wrong for you how do i get past this you know barrier so i definitely think a tech forum is needed especially as you know Going into the future, that's the way, you know, advice is going at the end of the day. Um, and Russell, speaking to you as, you know, an early affiliate of the Alliance, how do you think this will kind of elevate the role you and your clients play in the delivery of positive consumer duty outcomes? And kind of why have you become an affiliate? Well, as I mentioned before slightly, it was just in relation to that collective voice. There's a lot of really good practices that are taking place. And as Ian said, many firms are very happy to uh, share uh, ideas and thoughts and learn from each other because yeah, uh, people do make mistakes along the way. And so from our regard, it's that ability to vocalise. And Keith has been very good in his past roles, et cetera, of um, bringing uh, the visibility to certain uh, challenges or practices. Um, some of the things like uh, uh, the PFS gold standard Many firms were already adopting uh, that sort of behaviour prior to that coming out, but that helped to have the um, the visibility in multiple places. And it would be useful to have that visibility being carried forward into places where advisors often don't get into. So, like I mentioned before, with regards to government, etc. And so, I think the um, uh, alliance has a real ability to bring people together. Sure. And I know, you know, since this launch, what, beginning of the month, really, it's been a few weeks now. Um, how have advisors, mainly for us, <laughs> yeah. and others, obviously, in the industry, because it is open to everyone, how have they kind of responded to this? Have you had, you know, been inundated with calls for people wanting to join, wanting more information? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's actually only been two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it does feel like two months. Um, my diary has been chock-a-block. The, we've been overwhelmed by the, the response um, across the sector. Um, uh, you know, Russ has just mentioned about the pension transfer gold standard, and that, that was a cross-sector body that uh, I tried to pull together to really share greater uh, the greater sharing of good practice, but also I increasing that visibility. It's really important because... The advice profession has often felt it, it hasn't had that visibility. It, it's often, uh, you know, things are only focused on when things go wrong or poor practice. Uh, and there's no one really fighting for elevating the important role that, that professional advice plays. And increasingly, it's going to continue to play a very important role in society, not least because of the significant number of people that are susceptible to scams uh, and financial fraud. It's eye-watering when you, you actually look at the statistics. So, But what we've got to do is we, we've often been quite disparate and fragmented. So you know, you've got to remember there's 5,500 
uh, regulated firms, 80% of those regulated firms have less than five people in them. So, you know, they're often small firms that, that need some support in sharing of good practice, elevating what good looks like, but also making sure that their voice is heard, both with government, regulators, policymakers. And we do genuinely, I think, have an opportunity in working with regulators to, to change the course of direction. I think that started to happen uh, post the Retail Distribution Review. Um, you know, the sector for me definitely professionalised as a result of those changes. And you can see that that commitment absolutely is there passionately. But what you often see as well is a massive frustration because there doesn't seem to be visibility or a, or a voice, which, which Russell referred to earlier. Um, and that's, that's what we're going to do. So we've been overwhelmed. There's a huge amount of already activity of people signing up. Firms, well-established firms, um, like FTRC and and um, 360, many others are now recognising that an alliance isn't about the CDA; it's about them. Yeah. So it's a platform that allows uh, firms to actually start to share good practice, which they willingly do anyway. Um, but also individual members, uh, either on a firm level or, or individual level, are signing up. So we've already got well over four thousand. Uh, advisors that, that are part of the alliance uh, and that number is growing rapidly as uh, as each day passes. Sure. And do you think, you know, you mentioned the smaller firms, do you think this is kind of, you know, what they will be looking for? Because, you know, the massive networks, for example, of advice firms, they have, you know, massive compliance departments. That they've got, you know, all these yep. things that help them. Whereas, you know, if you've got, as you say, like a five-man band kind of thing, you know, it is more difficult to keep up with regs and, you know, to get everything going and to even have the time to, you know, reach out and speak to other people. Do you think that this alliance will, you know, help them with that? You know, there's a one place that they can kind of De def share. Definitely. Yeah. We've already started, um, so on the website, there's already a directory uh, to signpost people to the various services um, and support available. Uh, so what we're not about is replicating that. What mm. we're about is actually sharing good practice and then, if it stimulates more interest, uh, it's a mechanism to then signpost uh, advisors or small firms to places where they can get further uh, professional support. Uh, and that's exactly the same with uh, qualification frameworks. We've provided uh, now uh, a directory that allows people to understand the right um, learning pathway for them. So whatever stage of their career is, so whether it be through uh, any of the bodies or going on to solar or step it's, it's helping people understand why, what the benefits are to them and their business as much as the service that they want to provide to their clients. So, uh, I, yes, I do passionately believe that for the first time we can create a genuine alliance. So just to, you know, one thing I hadn't pointed out is that the alliance, the, the Consumer Duty Alliance itself is a not-for-profit, mm -hmm. independent body, uh, and it has no commercial objectives. So it genuinely has no conflicts of interest to get in the way of of good outcomes. And, and I say that because I've been involved in a lot of groups over the years who passionately wanted to make a difference, shared good practice amongst themselves, but then found it difficult to create anything visibly because one firm didn't want the other firm necessarily to get any credit for, yeah. for leading it. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was difficult. And that's why the alliance is there. Sure. And Russell, do you think all advisors should align with a professional alliance? And will this potentially help to kind of, you know, unite the advice sector without impacting diversity and competition? 
Yeah, and that's one of the things. Like just to just to pick it before when you were talking about small firms, etc. Collaboration and being an alliance, bringing people together, whether it's big or small, ultimately from that side is it, positive. And likewise, with regards to bringing together, um, are going to be peers and competitors, because ultimately, if collectively we we all work together for the better future, it takes everybody on that journey. And so. What I've done with the Associated Professional Compliance Consultants brings together people from the regulated space looking at things. How do we take things forward? What are the challenges? We're all going to have similar challenges, but you don't have to work in a set way. And so it's working together so you can see, okay, what's the driver? Where are we going to go? So I can think, yeah, there's a real value in being part of it to take the bits that you work with or need um, and ultimately keep your independence and your um, own unique personality to take uh, take things forward, but it's the fact that we're all collectively going in that right direction. Sure, and Ian, I know you've been a champion of technology as a tool to kind of empower business potential and consumer engagement for a while now. What reaction have you kind of experienced to the you know this, the creation of the CDA? Uh, the response has, has frankly been overwhelmingly positive, uh, both from advisors uh, and from technology suppliers asking what they can do to help. As you might imagine, uh, I've had a lot of vendors coming forward keen to talk about what they, they, they can offer. Um, but I think the, the thing that resonates, several people have said, this is meeting a void that exists in the marketplace. Yeah, there, there, there are a number of areas that aren't properly catered for and the structure that Keith's put together seems, you know, ideal for filling those gaps. And, that, and that, that's the thing that uh, I find most interesting about the reaction to date. Sure. And um, Keith, I know you mentioned that there's going to be, you know, a code that, you know, these people have to follow, like your members. Um, how are you going to police this? Because, you know, bad practice, unfortunately, still does exist. You know, you do get the odd one pop up. How are you going to make sure, you know, everyone does follow this code? I, I guess that's the hard part. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's a fair question. So, I, I mean, what we need to recognise, in conversations I've had with not just the uh, FCA and other regulators, but e equally internationally, regulators will admit that when you challenge them about what percentage of the market they believe get up uh, in the morning intent on doing a good job, they'll immediately respond the majority. And when you ask them how much bad practice do they, they find that was deliberate, the answer again is actually they very rarely find bad practice that was deliberate. They yeah. just find bad practice or suboptimal yeah. outcomes. Um, I, so I think actually it's now role to police the market. It's policed by the regulator. What we need to do is collectively join together because if people's interpretation is kind of off the mark, sharing good practice often helps to stimulate, either validate whether what they're doing is aligned to the way that others act or may well influence. So our role really is to, to influence the right set of behaviours, not to police them. Yeah. I think we have a, a regulator that polices the market. We don't need another pseudo-regulator joining sure. in. <laughs> of course, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Russell, do you think we need more regulation or time to introduce as an independent <laughs> platform to showcase the great work standards and outcomes which already exist out there? 
that we need more regulation. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, we need loads of it. No, no. You're in that scenario with uh, ultimately, you really should be focused in on culture, the high level framework, and that should be enough. The downside is, is it often isn't. But what we don't want is the regulator telling you everything that you have to do from what time you get up in the morning, everything, you know, the processes along the way. What you really want is the industry and the profession that's basically doing the job to know what good looks like and actually help to move. I keep talking about the future, keep moving forward. And actually the industry that know these things to spot the bad apples, the bad eggs as such that cause an issue effectively for people to be able to lead things. So that's why I like the idea of the collaboration and my supporting, because ultimately if we take control of the future, the regulator doesn't need to get involved as much. If, however, there's things that are occurring, well, regulation comes along to fix problems that have been identified, typically after it's happened. So really from that side is, ideally, you don't want more regulation, but you might need it in some areas. But can that regulation come from the industry suggesting what good looks like? So it's not formal regulation, it's opted in regulation and it's self-imposed. So really, yeah, if we can work with the collaboration, the alliance should avoid the need for more regulation. Sure. And Ian, what about technology? What more can advisors do to, you know, adopt tech, especially, you know, with the consumer duty incoming? You know, how can it help them? Because there are quite a few out there that are still, you know, they don't like tech. They'd rather stay away. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we do have a challenge in certain areas that, uh, if, if you like, the situation isn't broken, so they'd rather it didn't get fixed. The reality is, um, the world is now moving on and at, at a pace we've never seen before. And I think it's really important to recognise the transformation in technology that's going on right now has no equal going back as far as the Industrial Revolution um, in, in the late 18th century. You know, the emergence of artificial intelligence um, and parallel technologies are going to have a dramatic effect on every occupation. You know, these aren't just financial services questions, that they're, they're questions about society as a whole. Um, but but in, in terms of implementing um, particular technology, one of the key issues is you're not going to succeed if you don't spend the time to know how to use it. Um, Do not expect a piece of complex planning or investment management technology to be as easy to use as a social media platform. Um, But that's actually why one of the main things that we're doing to set up and to facilitate the the, uh, forum will be the establishment of a LinkedIn platform uh, so that we'll we'll use that technology to to share views. Um, I think it's also important to recognise that even in smaller firms, um, technology can help in achieving robust and repeatable outcomes so that you make sure that everyone working in the firm works in in the same way. But particularly, if I can just step back to to talk about AI for a moment, and there's so much focus right now on the replacement of jobs. But actually, is that what we want to see from AI? Personally, I believe there is an unparalleled opportunity 
to change the way that we work. So should should we be looking to a future where you won't have fewer people working in advice firms because AIs reduced the number of employees? You might have the same number of employees working in a firm, but working fewer hours. We we now not everybody is going to agree on that, but actually I think it's a really important debate that we have in the industry as to what the future direction is. You know, is there the opportunities? Lots of people talk about moving to a 4D week and some organizations are proving it can be done very successfully. I've had a lot of conversations with advisors who would love to move their organization to to a four-day week, but how do they do that? And when people talk about moving to a four-day week, one thing that's always consistent is, but you still get paid the same amount as you were for previously working five days, which obviously, you know, we don't want to see a reduction in standards of living. There's enough pressure on that. So I think also, or I hope also, we'll be able to get into some, some wider constructive debates about how we shape the future of the industry. Technology will have an unparalleled role in that area, but I think there's a lot of space for debate about how we best implement it. Sure. No, I totally agree. I think tech with advisors should be seen as a friend and not a foe. You know, it can help them. It's to boost them, not take away from them. I think, you know, this is definitely, as you said, a debate that needs to go forward, especially with all these, you know, chat GPTs coming through that advisors are kind of experimenting with and playing with at the moment. I think it is very important. Um, but Keith, what can we actually expect to see from the CDA in the near future? You know, what is, what's next? Yeah, well, the um, we're just about to launch um, uh, a good practice guide on retirement aligned to consumer duty uh, expectations and rules. Um, and there's going to be a, a whole series of additional uh, guidance and support. In addition to the technology, because uh, we've got Ian uh, here today uh, focused on that forum, but uh, you did briefly mention at the start that Nick Can has uh, kindly agreed to chair the Financial Planning Forum. Nick, of course, is an absolute legend as far as sort of the development of uh, financial planning methodologies and processes and good practice in the UK. So we want to be a body that really demonstrates value to helping advice firms, and bearing in mind the majority are small firms, uh, really focus on how to evolve their role. Uh, and uh, we do want to increase the visibility, engage with policymakers uh, on behalf of the sector. But I think it's very important to recognise that that's on behalf of the consumers, the clients that they serve, because that's the way firms often have built their business around their clients, their client-centric. Our reputation, however, or trust in the sector, isn't where it should be. But that's mainly driven by poor perception rather than reality. And the challenge I've often found, you know, whether it's running a large IFA business, is everyone actually believes they're a good player. The problem sits with someone else in the room. And, and that has made us very fragmented, which in itself has compounded the problem of trust. So what we want to do through an alliance is get people to recognise that inclusion. So often in the past, you know, we talk about diversity for us it's about inclusion it's respecting that the vast majority are there to do a good job and do do a good job 
Um, and it, but they operate in very different ways. We've got to start respecting the profession that we operate in because diversity is a good thing. I've always liked, so what we didn't want to do with the Alliance uh, is create a one-stop shop. Mm. That isn't our role. It's about bringing all the great work that is already done together as part of a platform that really elevates uh, the good work that's going on, not just in advice, but but actually, um, you know, a number of organisations out there that sometimes are unsung heroes. People like I met with the CEO of Tizer yesterday who mm. want to be an affiliate, want to work together. They do great work on behalf of the, the sector, but often not really understood in the market. We need to help to join that up. PIMFRA, similarly as a trade association, you know, do a lot of work behind the scenes that, that is very difficult for them to uh, express as, yeah. as real value. And we need to help uh, elevate uh, across the whole sector so that advisors recognise they need to be supporting or going to different organisations yeah. if it's aligned to their, their thinking. Sure. And Ian, just as kind of, you know, as we wrap this up, what do you kind of hope to deliver as a chair of the Tech Forum? Um, well, my role, I think, is that really of, uh, you know, a facilitator and a, an enabler you know, to bring people to uh, get together to identify what advisors and their clients need. I mentioned already the infrastructure we're putting in using LinkedIn and, and you know, we'll have a working group um, for the technology forum to have a, having two people leading in four different areas, savings and investment, protection, mortgages and workplace. And within that particularly having two working group members for each area. I'm looking ideally to have one under 30 and one over 30 so that we make sure we bring in the thinking of the emerging advisor. I think there's quite a lot of, or a growing level of recognition that emerging advisors coming into the profession are thinking and working very differently. And they need to do so because their, their clients, their younger clients think and work differently so you know as i say um my role is really to try and bring all those different strands together um and enable as much sharing as good practice as possible okay and um, russell what impact do you want to have as an affiliate well for me a big one it's challenging times at the moment both in society and in business but it's also exciting times i'm a glass half full kind of person and actually you go i see this as an opportunity how can we do things differently to go forward? And so people don't generally like change, um, but sometimes we need a nudge to start with that change. COVID, you, you can say there's a lot of negatives associated with that, but actually it brought a lot of change because people look at things differently. We have got quite a different society, workforce, everything. So actually for me as an affiliate with regards to the Alliance, I'd like it to be potentially that catalyst for change, it's got that united voice to actually to make bring visibility so we can talk as one uh, where appropriate. It can actually help with regards to best practices, technology, uh, etc. So it can be that nudge. And I love the foundations of it with regards to the Financial Vulnerability Task Force in relation to, you know, the clients at the heart of it. So we always um, deal with basically the, the, the human at the end of it. It is very much a people business. So how can we basically bring people together to be looking at the future and have that conversation? So all in all, it's like, yeah, bring people together. Let's move forward together and make the most of it. So, yeah, fully on board. And Keith, any final words from you? Uh, <clears throat> I'm just looking forward to, uh, to eventually 
uniting this profession and putting it exactly where it should be, front and centre. Um, th these are exciting times, but, but Russell's right. It, it, they are challenging. And um, we've got a lot of work to do between now and the 31st of July. So we'll, we'll be pointing to some excellent support already available. We're working with some subject matter experts and we'll be signposting to help advisors uh, prepare for that deadline but actually this body isn't about that deadline it's beyond that yes. it, it's how we continue to evolve our journey to become a safe pair of hands uh, and improve that trust index so that the first place people think to go to when they need financial advice and, and a secure financial future is a professional financial advisor sure brilliant well we will look forward to see what happens um keith ian and russell thank you so much for joining us this week Tune in next week where we will discuss other goings-on in the industry.